Welcome back. OCBC Podcast. Rip the Band-Aid off is the best segue. I'm Sean. Hey, Sean. Who are you? Introduce I'm, yourself. I'm this is the first time our 13th listener is listening now. Oh, gosh. This, no, I usually do the intro. I usually say, hey, it's Phil. I'm here with Pastor Sean Davis. I thought you were going to, you know. All right, let's start over. Give Can me, we start no, over? No, no, we're in. We Go, are in. start I'm over. Let's Phil. start over. This is Sean. We're here today. <laughs> Salty Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. So funny, man. That um, I, your wife is actually the one who who talked about our our first episode of this season of us arguing, and so we can't cannot start this way, Sean. We're well, not listen, arguing. I don't feel like we argued. <laughs> no, we didn't. I feel like that was a good discussion that should happen, right? Yeah, I, absolutely. I, so I actually was very encouraged by that at the end. So. If you felt like we were arguing, know this. Phil and I still are friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what an argument for us would look like. Like a real one. Yeah. Like, that was a, we're not talking about a healthy discussion, debate. And by the end, I understood Phil's point of view. If you don't know, go back and listen to a couple weeks ago. Um, but I, I, I just didn't hear Phil and didn't understand his point of view until the end of the discussion. So you had to stay with it. I told my wife, stay with it. It's this, okay. this week we're on the same page. We're still kind of following along the four chair discipling by Dan Spader. Spatter? Spader? I don't know. And uh, we're, we're still just kind of outlining the, the early parts of this book. Um, chapter three and four is kind of what we're following this time, loosely following. Now, Sean, this book is the four chair. And our, our church uses the four surfboards. Which is a much better analogy. And I agree. And you, I don't think the, you described why on the podcast, did you? I think you did that okay. one like before. Because the way you worded it showed why surfboards were better than chairs, I thought. So the reason, well, first of all, surfboards is one of the sports of our city you know surfing yep. fishing we're very recreational water yeah it's uh, very on brand for ocbc yeah <laughs> and so when i read this book and started looking at i was looking at what is our discipleship process i read the purpose driven uh didn't like the i mean i like what he taught and i felt like it was biblical rick warren in that book but at the same time i just didn't feel like it fit the vibe of our church and like here's a baseball they have a baseball diamond that you go around Oh, good. Yeah, first base, second base, third base, and, and it's very similar to the four surfboards. Okay. But it's like, um, or four chairs. And so I, as I'm reading this book, I'm actually also learning how to surf with a friend of mine here. Salty is his real name. No, I mean, it's his name, but it's not. Yes, it is. It's his name. And Salty <laughs> invited me to surf with him, and I was learning how to surf, and I felt like it was just a better analogy. Because with chairs, you sit in a chair and you kind of stay there, you know. And I feel like, okay, he's showing a process. But with surfing, it's you start with a long board, a very long board. And the goal is to get to a shorter, more condensed, because in the bigger waves, it's easier to cut, mm-hmm. you know. Long boards are easier to catch waves and okay. le- like where you're Stand learning. Stand up on. Yeah, and I still, I'm never going to move past the a long board for me. Not I'm with just that old. attitude. You thought, I thought you were going to teach me how to surf. We never got out this summer. You, well, had, you had a kid and it's decided gonna be, that it's you can't be have a life. It's going to be next summer, but still. Yeah. It's not good when your instructor's like, you know, I'm not getting off this for surfing. 
the, the thing with surfing for me is just getting out in the water and just being in God's creation. And you know, when you get on a wave, you you almost let the wave carry you once you once you learn to catch. The hardest part of surfing is getting pushed into a, a wave. And when you learn how to do that yourself by paddling into it, then all of a sudden the wave just takes you, and you you go like you have to dis, you don't decide which way you go in the wave. Like if you say we say go down the line. Yeah. And here's the funny thing about me with surfing, Phil. I, I can only go right. I can't go left down a line. And so, really? So, yes, my brain will not let me go left. So, so if the wave is naturally curving that way, you left. just, you've lost. Yeah. In fact, the, one of the best days this summer of surfing, the waves were very clean, and there's probably about 70, 80 surfers on every block. Whoa. And I went out that morning to surf because I'm like, it's a really good way. But yeah. all the waves were pushing you left. So I tried. I said, I'm going to go left because that's where the wave, because you got to go where the wave, you don't decide. And that's why I like yeah. about this analogy. You can't really tell God what you're going to do, you know? Right. So you don't tell the wave. So I tried to go left. I fell and wiped out. Jump back on my board and I'm paddling back out and I get in the way of another guy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <trying to> catch. <laughs> and that's like a cardinal sin of surfing. You just, you don't do that because the guy literally had to like pull up because I'm in a behind him and I'm like trying to get and I'm like sorry my bad and he's like this stupid kook oh no that's not what I needed I, I needed to know that surfing didn't have uh, stress anxiety a part of it that's not going to be fun yeah that's not the part of surfing you want to be in but that's what I like about this analogy with four surfboards is you're just you you, you do your part and God does the rest and it's not really on us as much as it is on God. I mean, there's definitely parts on us that, you know, and just like discipleship, we have to take some steps of, you know, reading our Bible, growing, going to church. Right. Um, but, um, it, you know, re- believing in Jesus, that's our choice. But, but a lot of it does fall back on God and how, how we, how we uh, you know, work through that with him and how he leads us, right? Right. So that's what we're talking about these, uh, this week is kind of looking at the method of each of these, what, what are each of these surfboards, what do they represent? Um, and I do think it starts with the mission. It does, yeah. Um, it's kind of, to lump it briefly, is kind of goes back between the Great Commission and the Great Commandment and how they are hand in hand. And that should be the way that we do everything when it comes to discipling and sharing the gospel should kind of uh, fall under that umbrella of the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Yeah. Uh, what is the Great Commandment? To love God and love people. Yeah. Sum it up. Yeah, it comes <laughs> which from... Is, which is our church's uh, s- slogan? What do yeah. you call that? Our, our mission statement. <laughs> Motto. It's our mission statement. Is, yes. Yeah. Love God, love others. Yeah. That was given to us by Jesus, because they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment, Matthew 22? And he said, do you love... God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, you love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And so that's what we strive to do. Um, and then the Great Commission was before he ascended back into heaven, he told his disciples um, to go into all the world. Now, we've talked about this yeah. at length. and these. So I don't want to get too deep no, into the which mission. is kind of why I sort of just summed up chapter, part of chapter 3 at least. Yeah. But I do think we have to accept that. Um, and here's the problem. Now, now we're talking about, okay, we're here to make disciples. That's the Great Commission. Right. So we, as disciples of Jesus, we are to follow him. But there's a process that all of us go through and all of us have to see. And that's kind of where this four surfboards comes in. And so 
At surfboard one, you have come and see. At surfboard two, follow me. At surfboard three, fishers of men. And at surfboard four is go and bear fruit. And the process simply is uh, you go through a beginning steps of, well, come and see who Jesus is. And so we set up a, an environment where we want people to um, ask questions and feel free to ask questions, to uh, be who they are and explore. It, it was like when I was learning to surf. You know, I didn't have a surfboard. I didn't have, I didn't even know what wax, well, I mean, I knew what wax was at bodyboard. You know, I didn't know I had to put wax and buy wax. I didn't know right. what equipment I needed. And, and so the only reason I was able to was because a surfer took me under his wing and took, took me out there and showed me the ins and outs and I mean, what I needed. There's a lot of analogies that you can use to follow this. You could use uh, an apprentice sort of idea uh, of someone who takes you in to show you how to do something, but practically. You're not talking so much a classroom setting as a... I, always, I don't know why my brain went blacksmith. But, you know, when you think of these trades that have um, apprentice. They, they take on an apprentice. It's that. It, it's, you know, I'm not going to just sit here and tell you how to do it. You're going to come and you're going to, one, you're going to probably watch me for a while. Then I'm going to get you involved. Then I'm going to make you do it. And then I'm going to peace out and you keep going, you know. And, and, and that's kind of how that sums up, at least in my mind. Yeah. But it, yeah, it is a, it is a, how, how do you, how do you get that first part, the come and see part? Yeah. Well, for someone who's at this stage, it basically means I, you got to show up. Come means show up. I mean, that's what he says in the, in the chapter. He says, come just means show up. You got to show up and see what it's all about. And obviously, I think our church is very good at attracting people at this first stage. Keeping them is another step because it, does, it doesn't require any, and this is like maybe just the American culture, is we don't it doesn't require any commitment. Well, this is what we were see. saying last week about sharing our faith, that, yeah. that um, the easier of the two is to go out on the boardwalk here and try to talk about Jesus. The harder yeah. one is the relationship part. The come and see part is, is the net cast. It's just like, hey, come on. Yeah. Let, let, let's come in. There's a little less uh, personal involvement yeah. in that first part. It's, uh, you know, we talk about surfing, but we can also bring up fishing in this community. And, yeah. you know, there are lures that are very attractive that kind of, you know, uh, they, they, I'm learning to fish with a friend now, too. Oh, nice. And you get gulp. You yes. put a minnow in gulp. And the gulp is this allure that just attracts the, the fish to it, which is, in this case, flounder fishing. Okay. And so yeah. you're trying to, to, to you know, the, the minnow is what they bite into, and that's how you catch it, right? But you're, that's what so you got to get them interested to begin with. Yeah. Yes. And, and a lot of people come and see, like, what's some of the reasons you think someone would want to come to church? I mean, I'll go with the most obvious Southern Baptist answers, food. Food is a great um, bringer of people. Yeah. It's really easy to say, hey, we're having a thing. Oh, okay. There's food. We're going to have food. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's silly, but it's not, but it is true. Yeah. I think another one for me is just that people are hurting. That's true. Yeah, and they're so, looking for a, well, maybe this will work. Yeah, well, and the, and the Spirit draws people to God and to himself. Yeah. So he is working in hearts. And so, like, for us here at OCBC, we're not great. I, I, I do think we're good at it, but we're not great. But I do think 
we have a couple ministries like our Elevate Soccer program. Mm -hmm. So when there are people who aren't sure about Christianity, but they have a tough thing in their life, you know, I have been called several times to be a part of this family's tragedy because they had no other place to turn. And they like this death in the family or someone's gotten sick and they don't know what to do. They don't know how to answer. And they are looking for, so what do they do? Well, they, well, let's find God. What do we do? Well, that church that does the soccer program, and you know, and pastor Sean, and you know, I'll get an email. Like, this is what's going on in my life. And, um, yeah. So it's, uh, that, that's the come and see mentality um, that we try to have here and that I think Jesus did with his disciples and that's what's kind of explained here right. is that when I think it was Nathaniel said uh, you know uh, hey Jesus um, what, what, here's what it has uh, John had identified Jesus as a lamb of God so now you have two men that are following or coming towards Jesus and when he saw him he asked a simple question what do you want and he says where are you staying and Jesus replied, come and see. Just come and see. It was just an he open would. invitation to yeah. like, you want to come hang out? Come hang out. Yeah. Ask your questions. Yeah. And, and I think that's why I feel like we do this podcast. Is I, I know we don't know all the questions, but we, we invite you to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. And I think our church is very, we, we should be a church that allows people to question the faith. Yeah. And, and have some doubts and have some um, work through those. Um, because honestly, a little bit of doubt actually will strengthen your faith. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just accept everything as like me, yeah, it's not, it's not, <laughs> it's not really. I don't know if that's a really good practice for strong faith because as soon as it's circumstantial faith, as soon as the circumstance changes, you're like, ah, I don't want to do this anymore. I, yeah, I think there's a, I think it's different than 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 what I have. I, I think, but yes. Um, I think what doubt will, would often do, at least a healthy amount of doubt, is it does drive you to find the answer yourself. Yeah. It, people who often are skeptical of things, when they have found the answer, you know that that answer is probably concrete in their mind because there was something that they were driving toward. They needed this answer when they finally get it. I feel like it, it's earned. It's well earned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that with the come and see, though, it can't be just like so attractive that we don't like start to show them. Because it's like the walk to Emmaus is one of the illustrations he had. He began to walk with those two disciples, and they were distraught over the events that just happened, that Jesus had just died on the cross, and the events at the Passover was like the weirdest Passover year ever. And they're like, you know, they did a crucifixion on our biggest holiday. We're supposed to be celebrating the fact that God delivered us, and instead we're crucifying men. And, and so what happens is they don't recognize Jesus, and Jesus walked with them on this road to Emmaus and begins to talk to them. And what's he do? He opens up the scriptures and shows them how all this was predicted. Right. And, like, they're just, like, listening to him, and you like, could just... It's like, what, what? And then they finally get down to eat, sit down to eat, and he breaks bread with them, and they recognize... Wait a minute. (laughs) This all makes sense now. And that's where the come and see should be. We should be like, we're inviting them to see who Jesus is. We're inviting you to ask questions, uh, but we are, you know, teaching them what the scriptures say. We're showing them who Jesus is. And um, that's the first surfboard, basically. And I guess come and see sort of has, 
it's that's a large surfboard because you're going to get people who are just learning to surf. I'll just use it that way, all the way up through uh, learning a, a lot more about scripture. Like not quite to follow me, but that's a there's a big gap there. Yeah, there's a big gap from the start of come and see, leading up to that next surfboard. That's a large chunk of of a Christian walk, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you said it right, because God calls many, but few are chosen. Yeah. And uh, that, that many have come into the church seeking, because that's what they are. They come and see your seeker. Um, but few stick it out. It's the parable of yeah. the sower and the seed, yeah. Yeah. where, you know, some seed falls on rocky ground and it starts to spring up, but then right. it doesn't have any root, and falls off. Some are immediately snatched away by the birds. That's Satan coming and tempting them to go back to the world. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's the, the sun that scorches. The, the, but there are some that fall on good soil. And that's what we're seeking in our discipleship process is who are the ones who are really striving to, to learn more, grow more. And we should, you know, we put the net, like you said, out to everybody. We pull them all in. And just like fishing, you know, sometimes you got to throw some back in because they're not ready or mature yeah. enough to, to have, and you have, or DNR is going like, to get nope, you. you're not ready yet, not you. <laughs> How many times I've caught crabs, and I'm like, nope, not this crab. Nope, yeah. not this crab either. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's what happens in the church. So we, we, we and now I'm preaching on this this weekend, um, but one of the ways we, we try to attract people is just having radical hospitality. Yes, yes. And that's what I mean about that that Food. that chunk of come come and see is so big. It goes all the way from I want you to just come and meet these people, and and by the end, it's I'm hoping that you've seen who Jesus is and are are and want more. That's yeah. a that's a big chunk. That is not to be taken for granted. Like, wow, that's a hard area. You know what I mean? Am I making sense saying that? Making a ton of sense. When I um was in seminary, I lived in a inner city apartment complex with my sister. We did a ministry to uh, at-risk youth and children. And so the first thing we did, we started every Monday night, we had backyard Bible club in the neighborhood for the kids, where we played games, we told them a Bible story, and we offered cookies and juice. And the kids came, because they were looking for something, to. and moms were wanting them out of the house. Um, And I say moms, because most of them only had a mom, and no, like, they were single moms raising these kids. That was, that's, you know... Um, and we played, and they had fun. And then we decided, well, we're going to have a youth night. So we tried to have a youth program on Wednesday night. We invited them over to our house, and we were going to do youth Bible study, and they never showed up until one week we said, hey, we have hot dogs. Because you said it. <laughs> you said food attracts them. I, we're having a hot. And I'm a true Southern Baptist boy, man. Hot dogs and chips and, and Kool-Aid, right? Yeah. And that's what we had. And that night we offered that, we had about 50 youth in our little apartment. And they kept coming after that. Um, right. uh, so we have to have some things that do attract them. And, you know, for some it's food. For others, I know the real answer to that question wasn't really food. Yeah. You, like, I, I understand, like, your answer was much, much <laughs> uh, more enlightened. But, uh, yes, there's the, I guess there's the difference between the, the lure that attracts the fish and the thing that actually gets them when they bite on. But, um, yeah. I just don't want to dis- discount the breaking of bread in the Bible also, also because yeah. I just love food. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the come and see, it, it's, 
Uh, that, I don't know. It, it's also kind of strange, not strange, it's hard to see this part because I was raised a Christian. I was born in a family that was Christian. I didn't, I don't remember, it's not like I had an adult life chunk where I experienced the come and see up to that. Um, it's just sort of, I was raised in a Christian family. I saw who Christ was young. I accepted Christ then. So I don't know. It, that come and see is, it's, I, especially when we're talking about getting people to come to our church that aren't obviously little children. How do, how do you do that? And I guess, yeah, you're right. Like meeting their needs or showing them that, that there's something here by at least through our example that, hey, you know, there's something there. I, I know these guys, you know, whether it's they saw us out on the soccer field and there's something different about the way they react to the sport or, you know what I mean? But whatever, bringing them in, how do you, how do you, how do you do that? And it's good that we have a lot of the things that we do that aren't just food. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, we use that illustration of food, but really what's going to keep them is our testimony, mm -hmm. our life example, right. which is what brings you to follow me. Because right. if you look at the scripture, especially I, I, uh, the gospels, it constantly says, and I, I don't know how many times, I probably should research this, but it, I feel like it says over and over again, they were amazed by Jesus either by what he did, like his miracles, or by how he taught and how he taught differently than others. And then when you get to the Acts, and Jesus says, ascend it back into heaven, and you see the disciples now who are bearing fruit, it says at some point, and I think in Acts 4, that they were amazed that these uneducated men had wow. that wisdom. You know what I mean? So what has to happen is you get the surfboard two, three, four, and that four, you're bearing fruit. But the come and see people have to be able to see there is something different that I want that these guys have, like you right. just said. And I think that happens by our testimony and why we have to strive to be like Jesus, which is surfboard two. So you become a Christian when you believe in Jesus and you move right. to surfboard two. And you have follow me is the next step. So I guess uh, here's, a, here's a, an, a, an interesting question that I hadn't really thought about. He calls this four chair discipling. So Really, it's like the the three chairs of discipling because that first chair doesn't necessarily uh, encompass believers. Sort of. Is that wrong to think that way? Like when I think of uh, if I was going to disciple someone, I don't. I'm not necessarily thinking I'm starting with somebody who's not even a Christian. Yeah, I don't think it's wrong because okay. you might, in a Christian term, analogy, and we try to avoid this. The first step is evangelism. Come and see is evangelism. Then okay. it would be you know winning them to Christ. Okay, but I, I'm I, splitting. I'm really splitting hairs. I, I yeah. truly. I'm just curious. I never really thought about it up until like right this moment of how it's the four chair disciple. But that first chair is truly just evangelism. Yeah, like I winning need you to Christ. bring yeah. you in before I can start to yeah. truly disciple. But I kind of like it that way because what we do is we do kind of separate evangelism and discipleship. I want them to Christ, now you disciple them. Right. And I think if we're truly going to win this culture and win this world, Jesus taught us to disciple. It wasn't just, he never said go and win them to Christ and tell mm -hmm. them, you know. He did tell, tell them about me, but he, like his great commission is make, make. disciples. Okay. Um, 
and we are to be in this process. Um, and, and so let's, let's split hairs again, if that's how you say it. Uh, but one of the things that we do in the church, we go on mission trips, and we come back with our notches on our belt and tell our church about how many people we talk to Christ about. Mm-hmm. But that's not the point of who we are. We are to go and win them, but also disciple them right. in Christ, um, sharing them. That's why when we do mission trips here, I really look at supporting different ministries already in that city. Mm-hmm. You know, right, a like, long-term investment yeah. into the... Yeah, and, and not to discount a mission trip. No, they're important. But Evangelist I, is a, one of the spiritual gifts. But, I mean, there's, there's a lot of local... There's a lot of local you can do where you can have a long-term impact because you don't have to travel thousands of miles. Yeah. So. Well, it's uh, in Romans, I think we did the spiritual gifts. It's one of the... It is. One of the, uh, the uh, uh, what's it called? The ministries of the church is evangelism. And some people are very good at evangelism mm-hmm. and very poor at discipleship. Right. Um, there are some great preachers that are amazing at winning people to Christ, and there are others that are great at discipling and teaching the Word and applying the Word. And so God has gifted us each different. But as a church, yes, our goal is to make disciples. And I do think follow me is a very intentional path of discipleship. And that's where we're moving on next, before yes. I interrupted you, yeah. second surfboard. Well, discipleship to me in the follow me stage is... is and this is where I fail, I'll just be honest. It's you have to invest a lot of time in someone. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not and, and Jesus only had like twelve and four that he really discipled, if you think about it. Right. He evangelized and called many to come and see, but the twelve were the ones that he 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 called them to follow me and he took them on this journey and said, Do as I do, watch what I do. Now, yeah. now speak to speak to follow me for us because we're truly we aren't we aren't Jesus. I'm not going to be like Jesus and have somebody come move into my house and follow me around everywhere because that's not what this is saying to do. What does it look like? What what does a current day follow me? Well, at this point in my life, and it might change tomorrow because sure. I, but I, now I think. It, it, based on what this chapter even talks about, it's investing and spending time with people, intentionally sharing with them the word, intentionally showing them how to live, intentionally working through things, um, and being there with them in it. Uh, one of the things, and I preached about this week, and uh, actually, uh, someone actually told me that they were very confused by what I oh. thought that. Well, but, here's a good chance to, yeah. to clarify if they weren't the only one with the question. Yeah, I mean, the goal of our small group Bible studies is that, is that it would develop relationships that someone who's more mature in their faith would take someone who's not maybe a brand new Christian or seeking God and bring them along with them, as Jesus did. And that was his goal with his disciples when he said, follow me. His goal was, watch what I do. And then they would try to do something Jesus did. And they, yeah. Jesus would be like, oh, how long am I going to have to be with you? <laughs> you know, like you of little faith. Exasperated and, Jesus is my favorite Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that is what Jesus showed us and modeled for us. So we are not Jesus. But like we talked about two weeks ago, 
that's not an excuse we should be using. No, I yeah. think what I meant was, yeah. um, you know, should anyone read this and, and hear the come and see, follow me? They, sh you know, surely it doesn't mean to literally follow me. I, I sort of just wanted it to be said out loud what yeah. follow me meant, not in a, not in a literal. Yeah. Well, here's what That's he says. I like what he says. He says, Jesus spent time with the disciples. If the disciples were going to imitate him, he had to give, give them time to get to know him. And Jesus knew that life change comes through relationships. Now, you said it, so I'm going to go there. We aren't Jesus. So three people I'm discipling right now in my life are three little redhead girls that live with me. <laughs> and since I'm not Jesus, they have seen me at times and I've embarrassed them, not by on purpose, but by some poor choices I've made and decisions I've made that don't yeah. look like Jesus. Right. And so I think one of the things that I've had to do to help them understand is learn to say, hey, your daddy is not Jesus. <laughs> your you follow Jesus. He's your first example. Imitate me as I try to imitate Unlike Jesus, Christ. daddy makes yeah. mistakes. <laughs> yes. And this is not the proper way... But that's really hard. Yeah. That, I mean, that's super hard, but that takes some humility on our part to say that, to be able to tell people, if you're going to follow me as I try to follow Jesus, because that's what Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. Right. Know this, I'm not Jesus. Right. I, I'm not going to be the sinless person. And this, this is sort of what we see, too, with uh, certain pastors and leaders in churches, at least in the States, um, where... They, they don't always say, you know, I'm not Jesus. You don't have to follow me like that. Yeah. And I think that's what happens a lot when, when a, someone in the spotlight sort of, they make a mistake or the mistake comes to light. Yeah. And people get really disappointed. And you're like, I mean, he, sure, it's not great, but they're also human. You yeah. put them on the pedestal. And they also didn't remind you to take them off that pedestal. Yeah. And I said that, something to that effect this weekend with my sermon. But yeah. when that happens... If our first response is to, like, throw them under the bus um, instead of, I mean, I, f I feel like our first response should be, uh oh, I better guard myself. Yeah. Um, because we are human. Um, our goal, as I said, be like Christ, show them who Christ is, teach them who Christ is. And the way we do that is relationships. Mm hmm and we talked about that quite a bit last last episode, relationships. Yeah, yeah. but I want to say one more thing about that. Of and course. And then we move on to Fishers of Men. I do think being intentional, we need, we need to be intentional who we are discipling. And um, have I used this with you? I know I've said it hundreds of times, but the, there are three relationships that we should be having in our life. The Barnabas, mm -hmm. the people who are encouraging us. We also should have a Paul who's we look up to, who's mentoring us, but then pouring back into them someone else, a Timothy. So you need a Timothy, a Paul, and a Barnabas in your life, an encourager, a mentor, and a protege. And I think that's the right model for us looking, going forward. Right. Um, and, you know, for me, I'll just be honest. If I'm going to ask you this. Think about that, and I'll tell you mine, but which one of those are you struggling to find? Because for me, Sometimes it's hard for me to get a Paul because um, as a pastor, so I'm not going to just open up to anybody in my church, you know, like yeah. I'm struggling with this. You know, I, I, I feel like I have to put myself uh, 
you know, I have to look for somebody who's going to pour, like, he's going to hold me accountable. Right. He's going to show me. Um, what about you? What, is there one of those that? Probably the protege, probably. I think it's easy to find someone you look up to, yeah. at least for me. I'm not a pastor. It's, it's easy to find people who are encouraging because, uh, honestly, especially in our church, there's quite a few. Yeah. I, I mean, even my wife is a really great encourager. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's a whole other step to find someone because it is more intentional. That's on you at that point. Yeah. The, the, the protege is the one that takes the most intent. Yeah. And if you're not actively pushing that direction, you're not looking for someone or you're not being, even if you know of the person, you still have to go out of your way. And I think that's the one I probably lack the most. Yeah. Yeah. At Follow Me, you have brand new Christians who really need somebody to show, like, there are Christians that are coming into our church who don't know, like, they're still cursing. You know, like, right. they don't know that that's not appropriate. And then you have someone who tells them, oh, that's not appropriate. That's not the, probably the right thing. You need someone who's going to love them. and show, right. Like, uh, even, like, how to dress. Like, you know, when you read Timothy, you know, Paul's instructing Timothy, tell the young ladies to dress modestly, you know. To tell the men to, you know, put boundaries in their life. You know, like, you're, you're still kind of, like, have one foot in the world, one foot in Christ, and what our goal is to get you in Christ, not in the world. And so that's what happens in these relationships. They're supposed to happen is that we're teaching them the ways of God. And that's what he tells us. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Right. It's not necessarily we're saved by the grace, not the law, but the law was there to help us. Yeah in this life to have better life and you've got yourself in a problem that's probably why you came to christ here's the right way to live it's true here's how you budget your money here's how you you know love your family here's how you you know make best use yeah, of your yeah. time like by by centering christ in your life yes a lot of those things most of those things fall in line make christ the center of your money you figure yeah. out real quick real fast put christ the center of your family you'll you'll see how that it changes things. But yeah, I understand that. Yeah. To sort of bring them along. And, and by action, by this, look how I'm doing it. This is First how. by how I'm doing it. And then, yeah, by speaking. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. The, the third one, and we'll, we're almost done, is the fishers of men. And that's where you are pushing back, pulling back into your, your sharing your faith, but you're also you know, teaching them to observe all that command. It, it is, you, you are taking a more of a Paul role. So at Surfboard 2, you're more of the Timothy. Right looking up to Paul, at surfboard three, you're the Paul pouring back into a Timothy. Um, and so... So there's quite, a, where there's quite a lot of uh, time passage there, too, between follow me and fishers of men. So you, you kind of said something about you weren't sure a couple weeks ago his examples. All right, this is one of those I'm not sure his example was accurate, but he did research. And here's what he said. He says this. He says that it was a year and a half when the disciples were called to be fishers of men. Yes, I read, yeah, I read that. And I'm not sure I can find that in Scripture, but it does make sense. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just not positive it's right. I, I've, I never looked myself, yes. so I read it too. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't make it gospel in my mind, but I kept yeah. it in there just like, I'll have to look that up someday yeah. to see if, there any, if you can find that. Well, his point was, he says, after John the Baptist was beheaded, he says some of John the Baptist's disciples came over to Jesus and that's when he pulled his 12 in 
and he said this. And he did at one point have 72 that he sent out in pairs. But he pulled those 12 in, and he said, now it's time to be fishers of men. And now you're going out, and he put them out in twos, and he said, go and do these things. And if you remember, he, at one point in Luke 17, he goes up and he has a transfiguration with Peter, James, John, and Andrew. And he comes down off the mountain. As soon as this amazing thing happens, there's the eight other disciples trying to cast out demons, and they can't do it. And so, they, so Jesus, like, it's like, they're like, what do we do wrong? You know, like, we're just, we did it. We said the same thing you said, you know, like, what's going on? And, you know, Jesus had to, like, ah, that's exasperated Jesus. Yeah, just the, the fingers on the eyebrows of, like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, but there is a stage where we are to kind of be more of a teacher, less of a student. And we're both. Yes, and I mean, you never cease being both. Yeah, you never cease being both. Honestly, student. even outside of Christianity, it's always good to, to never think that you're done learning. Let's just yeah. state that. But in Christianity, it's also the same too. You're never at a point where you're not teachable, yep. and you are never too big to, to not impart some wisdom. Yep. Can I pick on you for a minute? Yes, please. So we had a meeting about three weeks ago at a, a, someone, a, a person in our house that you came to, uh, not a person in our church family. Yeah. And they, uh, we talked about small group Bible studies, and yeah. you were there. And after that meeting, and I'll be honest, I feel like you and I have a relationship where I feel like you're a Barnabas to me. I do. Uh, but sometimes I do feel like God has called me to be kind of a Paul to you. And mm-hmm. I, should, I don't mean to be like... No, I, I agree. I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, okay. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. Because I, I would often come to you mm-hmm. for guidance or wisdom if I felt that I needed it. You're, you would pop into my head immediately as, as the closest friend that I have that I could yeah. say like, dude, come on, what, is, what am I doing here? What well, am that, I doing wrong? Yeah, I just don't want to be like Paul and be like, this is my child. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> I also don't have the red hair. <laughs> but, uh, but you said something after that meeting to me that I left very encouraged. And you said, hey, I feel like there's three guys in this church I'm going to reach out to. And we've already mentioned, I won't mention them again, but I'm going to, and I'm like, that's it. That's the state. That's how it should work. Like, as I pour into you, you go out and pour into someone else. And that's the strategy that Jesus said that brought multiplication. It wasn't just adding one person at a time. It would be, all right, we, we, we doubled here with the two. And then those two go out and they meet four. Yep. And then four, eight. Yep. And, and, and the math in this is kind of amazing. This is from uh, Robbie Gallaty's Growing Up book. He actually showed this math. Like, if we add one a day for the next 20 years, if you only reach one person a day, you would still reach more by discipling one or two people every year. Because what happens is they disciple, they go out, and it's now multiplication. And by the end, you're reaching way more in discipleship process than just going out and doing the evangelism. Right. That's what I'll say about that. No, I do love I remember that, and I do love that. Um, just the image of it spreading like that. But it's also, again, it comes back to that intent. Yeah intentional relational yeah. uh, it was funny after church on Sunday I was hanging out with some friends there was a birthday party at a neighbor's house and we were all hanging out and they all, most of them came to church that morning and I just talked about small group Bible study like, there's a small group and I'm like not necessary we're not being intentional on yeah. what we're doing uh, but if you want to be intentional let's talk about God yeah, like no no no, no we did that this morning <laughs> that, yeah. but, but that's kind of what you're doing with each relationship is it doesn't have to always be like, oh, let's sit down and read our Bible or read the... But 
it should be doing life together. Mm -hmm. And if an issue does come up, we ought to be able to go back to the scripture and say, here's how we deal with it. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think, let's just say that the, the group of guys that I know we're starting, we're going to start. If there was a, a night that we decided that all we were going to do was go and have a meal somewhere together, that's still intentional. And as long as that's not the only thing we did, it's good. It's still good. <laughs> you know, you often saw Jesus sitting and eating. And I know in the, in the Bible it recorded often when he would sit and eat with non-believers, but all the times that he ate outside of that, he ate with his, his group. Yeah. They spent time together. And it, it wasn't probably all Jesus talking about um, how to live. There was probably a lot of downtime and a lot of good conversation. Yeah. And, and, and you do see that in the Bible, the way the verbiage changes. He, he uses it in this chapter four, I believe, how at some point he went from calling them, how did it work? He called them children or he called them. And then at some point he, he says, I can no longer even call you servants because servants don't know the master's yeah. plan is. And so you know yeah. that that wasn't all just teaching. Some of that, a lot of that was relationship. Mm -hmm. He had become to know them and he could pour into them all that wisdom that God had given him and imparted it onto them. Um, just spending the time with them is also very important. Yeah. yeah you know, if you and I didn't spend any other time together but the podcast, which lately that's all it's been, yeah. your relationship our relationship's only going to go so far. Mm -hmm. There's not enough time to catch up. There's not enough time to say, you know, what's going on? Yeah. How's life? And that's the part, that's where the bond happens more. It's where the trust, the love, the, the relationship blow. Like, if all we did was come to talk about the Bible for an hour and then, okay, see you next yeah. week, buddy. Yeah. There's no relationship. It's, it's now looked at as a, it's only looked at as a teacher-student. It's mm -hmm. not looked at as a, a, friendship that could possibly and that's what they had they had deep intimacy with jesus mm -hmm. that they were able and um i hate to bring this up again but i i do love this show the chosen that is out there oh, because yeah, it shows that it. it does show that intention like and you read the scripture and if you read it properly i do think you see like jesus will have a big group and he'd tell a parable and then he'd go back and disciple like can you explain that to us a little yeah more? right and that's where the 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 stuff where the understanding came. And even then, like, there were still times I really believe that you, you read in Scripture where they didn't understand everything Jesus was teaching until he rose from the dead. And it's like it all, like, the light bulb went off. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, my, that's, that's what the Messiah meant. That's what he meant when Old Testament. And that's how it all broke down. And, yeah. It Have was, you ever watched one of those movies where a bunch of it, there you'll get flashes of scenes, but no explanation until the end, and then it all kind of pieces it all back together for you? That's yes. what it reminds me of. Because you watch it, and if you watch it with someone who is like a movie talker, they're the worst. Because you're like, just watch the movie. Just watch. Like, you, this makes sense later. You know, by the time it hits the end of the movie, and they, yeah. they put all those sequences back, and it makes sense, then it clicks. And yeah. you, you do see that with them. That happens all the time now. I think that's like the new way of writing. Yeah, I think this sometimes it's well done. Sometimes it's just like you could have yeah. just told me you could have just showed yeah. me that in order. Yeah, I don't know. And uh, well, we just finished one and I'm like want to go back and watch it again now because now that I know the oh, that's what it was all about. You know, uh, now let okay. me, you know, because yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it, it does feel those are like my favorite type trying to figure it out the whole time. And then you're like, oh, 
duh. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. All it took was just like this one thing that, and it, oh, it clicks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's who, that's who the murderer was. <laughs> it was. It was the janitor the whole time who didn't even get introduced until the fourth episode. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst. Uh, never mind. All right. Um, and then he gets to surfboard four, which is you bear much fruit. And that's yeah. the idea where you aren't as dependent on others. Um, and you are, you know, able to discipline yourself enough to make those those calls and everything. So, and the second that you hit that first, that fourth surfboard, you're working on other people's surfboards. Yeah, <laughs> you are. You are. You're working on somebody else's, bringing them up from that bottom surfboard up to that fourth yeah. surfboard too. I, I think for me, surfboard four is you are clear what your spiritual gift is. You are in the right ministry. You right. know this is your ministry. I mean, it doesn't mean God can't call you somewhere else because sure. you are humble enough to admit that, that things can change. Denying yourself daily. It's, it's all those things coming uh, to, to fruition. But knowing also that, you know, at times the world can draw you back and you can fall backwards if you're not careful. It's, putting, it's, it's practicing spiritual disciplines. It's understanding your salvation. It's, it's all those things. So. Right, and that's the four surfboard or four the the, chairs. The four chair that we've adopted to the four surfboards, which is why again, you go with the wave. Yeah. It's, hey, here's here's another analogy with surfboards, I'm, uh, and we'll finish here. At times you fall off. Mm-hmm. Right. What do you do when you fall off? I just go back and sit on the beach and uh, <laughs> get a tan. <laughs> That's not the answer you want. You can tell no, I didn't play that's sports. The, that's uh, the, you get back on, Sean. Yes, you get back on. You surf again, and and you keep going. And yeah. it's because uh, there's another wave. There's another yeah. chance. Yeah, and that's the whole analogy here. It's a yeah. process that God's taking us through. Where are you? Which board are you on? Right. Uh, pray about it. Look for that Timothy in your life. If you're at surfboard three, if you're at surfboard two, find that Paul. Yep. If you're at surfboard one, come, come. You know, the the way to move on is believe in Jesus, be saved. Right. Um, and and find encouragement knowing that uh, relationships and and, and right, I'll say like intentional groups are going to help you. If you really are in that first area, that first surfboard, make friends. Seek out people who are like you, or at least that welcome you. Yeah. This church is full of people. I don't know half of them. Yeah. We'll be your Barnabas here. Yeah. We'll try to encourage you here through the yes. podcast. That is probably our best role. Yeah. Is, is the podcast format. It's, you know, we'd still love to hear from you. We still love comments. I love on Sunday morning when so many of you will uh, talk about the latest episode or you want to bring something up. I love it. It's so. Yeah. It, it still catches me off guard because there's still that part of me that's like, wow, people still listen. Wow, people listen to this. Twelve. But I do love it, and I do hope you feel encouraged. I hope you learn something. And, Sean, next time, what are we talking about? Uh, that, we're just going to keep going with this. Uh, we're going to talk about how we can build relationships and maybe even dealing with, like, you know, some of the come and see questions that may come a bunch uh, as, as you are trying to help people find Jesus and, you know, seek Jesus. Yeah. Obviously, we did at the beginning, taking your faith to work and some of that stuff. Yeah. But just in this, this century or this generation, 
you know, what is the approach for each of these and getting them through? That's what we're talking about. Good? Awesome. Yeah, I love it. All right. I'm excited about it. This, is, this has gotten better past the first <laughs> chapter. <laughs> All right, question for you. Okay, what you got? Question for you. It is the fall. Last time you said... It is said, not fall. Okay, it is still summer. It's still summer. All right, but for the season <laughs> yes, here, yes, the kids course, are back to school. Course. And you said fall is your favorite season. Why is fall your Summer's favorite Summer's my season? favorite. But okay. as, as, a, as a parent, especially of littles, I have learned to love fall way more than I used to. I used to really despise fall. Um, but I, I work you know, a full-time job, so that doesn't mean anything to me. Um, kids, when it's that hot, especially with the, as young as mine are, you can't do anything. When it's 98 degrees, where am I going to take my two-and-a-half-year-old and my six-month-old? To the shade. You know, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> to the pool. The pool, that's it. Because like, <laughs> even the, the beach is not fun because the getting there, getting back out, it's hot. It's not fun. Get the wagon. Yeah. I mean, we did that last time. Um, so uh, the fall I actually really am learning to love because it's just nicer. There's never a, like, you know, if Grace says, hey, I want to go to the park, I'm like, yeah, let's go. I don't have to look and be like, well, I don't know. It's like almost 100. Yeah. You know, it's, it's more fun. Food, I love fall food. We were just talking about this last night, Brenna and I, of just, I miss chili. Oh, and yeah. I miss crockpot meals and stuff that I don't cook during the summer because I can't imagine eating a bowl of chili yeah. in the middle of July. Um, I like Halloween. It's fun. Uh, Late Night, Nightmare Before Christmas is such a good movie, and I only watch it, like, right around then. And, you know, Grant's birthday and Grace's birthday, and I guess Grant's is technically uh, winter, but still. You know, it'll be fun. And I'm looking forward to... I, uh, and I, I'll sum it up with this, is that I love the summer because I love when people are here and it's lively and it's big. But by the end of summer, I am ready for it to be quiet. Go home. And then, yeah. and then ask me again at the end of winter and I would tell you the same, like, I can't wait for people to be back. Yeah. Because I like the flow. I like the, sometimes it's really busy and alive here and sometimes it's very peaceful and quiet. So I think I'm sort of just about on the edge of ready, ready for, you know, to yeah. not have to take my hoodie off when I leave the house, you know, <laughs> leave yeah. it on. So I think that's it. What about you? Now, summer, I'm guessing you is your favorite. I don't know. Like, I, I enjoy each season, like you said, the, the, the anticipation. And I'm learning to live in that moment, you know, instead of, because as the kids are growing, you're wondering, like, oh, no, you got this. You know, you can start to think about, oh, you've got five years left before they go oh, to college. Oh, yeah. You know? I only have... This many summers with them. Yes, and I don't want to be there. I just want to live in the moment. Uh, there are certain things about the summer I truly enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I like being with the kids uh, because they are. But uh, you know, I started thinking they're going to start working soon because that's their society. But never mind. How, I mean, how old is your oldest? Thirteen. I got my first job at fourteen. So yeah, she's like. I mean, she's not necessarily going to start. I don't that want young, her to work. I I honestly to, like, don't because here's why. This is my idea. Like. If she wants us, I want her maybe 16, but you're going to work the rest of your life. Be a kid. I know. You know, like, seriously, I don't know. Like, be a child and enjoy your childhood as long as you can because. You never stop working. Yeah, exactly. Um, But that's my thought. I I enjoy everything you said about fall. I agree. Halloween's a fun holiday. It's Mm -hmm. a nice holiday. I enjoy getting the hoodies out. I yeah. enjoy wearing the hoodies. I yep. enjoy the, the brisk weather. Um, 
The only thing I don't really like about fall, oh, I love pumpkin spice. I'm one of those guys. Uh, I yeah, don't I'm care. with you. I'm with you. I, I don't care if people judge me. Uh, you know, as soon no. as pumpkin spice was introduced, I'm now. October, yeah. October is when I start to eat it, but I, yeah. I love it. Yeah. The donuts, the coffee creamer, the, the cereal, bring it. Like, I already I'm, have I'm the coffee in. creamer. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. I saw it in the store the other day. I was tempted. <laughs> but no, I think the only thing I really don't like about fall is winter's coming. And yeah. I love Christmas. Yes. As soon as Christmas hits, it's like January, February, March. I'm like, but I do, I, I'm learning to, you know, love that because it's basketball season. Yeah, there you so go. So I, I, I have things I, I get me through. That's kind of probably why I love Duke so much and that the, the, the watching, I love watching basketball. Because it's watching something my in play. that dead. Yes. That yeah. dead time. I think yeah. Grant Grant's birthday being in February is going to be nice because there is something. Yep. You're like, okay, finally, something in February that's like... That's a good time for having a birthday here because it's easy to find, like, a hotel that maybe do a pool party. Oh, you that's true. You know what true. I mean? Like, and everyone true. will come. Everyone will come because there's nothing else going on in the winter. That's a good point. Yeah. We had thought about, I mean, obviously, this doesn't... This is so long, but we offered like when he's older to give him the chance to if he wants to celebrate his half birthday mm -hmm. because it wouldn't be as hot. He could totally do an August yeah thing. Yeah. Now it's harder in the summer because the you know I don't know my daughter my has a June birthday. We always go on a trip for her birthday, but she doesn't get much of like the birthday parties with That's friends true. because they're all busy and doing stuff and going places. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I think that's a good. So. I think there is a part of me that with the weather starting to cool, and I'll say cool, it just hasn't been high 80s consistently. It's yeah. been nice. I'm not going to lie that the 60-something the morning, I, I don't hate it. Yeah. I really don't. It's kind of nice. Yeah. My electric bill also loves that I'm not running my air conditioner yeah, like you, that. Electric bills are just high right now. <laughs> I've heard they're going up again. I'm like, what the heck? Oh, good. Perfect. <laughs> I'm going to become that dad that's turning off every single light the second I can. Yeah. Mm. But, all right, man. But good hey, stuff. Yeah, man, this was good. I'm excited for next time. Um, glad, to, uh, glad to be back. Glad to be posting. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying what we're doing so far. Um, got a good lineup yeah. for this season. But we are a flexible. If you have something you want us to discuss or a book of the Bible, yeah. you know, send us some you know, emails and let us know. Yeah. We can always pick a topic that Sean and I st disagree on so that we can argue again. Oh, those are great. We do need to have a hot topic one next time sometime soon. Mm. Just like, uh, you know, this is a hot topic. Election day is coming up. Politics in the oh. church. Maybe we should do something like that. As long as we don't have to specifically talk about politics, I'm, I'm down. How, how, <laughs> how do you? One. How do we respond to the political environment? That might be a good one next Yeah, time. that would be good. Yeah. Probably need someone smarter than me talking to you, though. Yeah, me too. That's the problem. <laughs> like, if you know anything about politics, and um, <laughs> yeah. we do need some more guests. So if you'd like to be on the podcast. Maybe we should. We'll figure that one out. We're yeah. going to come back with that one. Yeah. All right. Hot. Well, until next week, thank you for listening. We appreciate you. We love you. And we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thank you, guys. The Salty Podcast is part of the Ocean City Baptist Church Podcast. This episode of the Salty Podcast was edited and produced by myself. Co-produced by Sean Davis. Music by Rob Mullis. 
For more information about Ocean City Baptist Church, head to our website, ocbaptist.org.